Diversion Audio. Rat race got you down? It was September 2007. On the radio, the number one song was Sean Kingston's Beautiful Girls. What a tune. Rob Zombie's Halloween was terrifying moviegoers at the theatre if you tuned into the TV, you might have caught the first episode of this. Plus, the book is a bestseller, and it has a built-in movie audience. Dan Humphrey, he's a really good writer. OMG, you're not going to believe who Gossip Girl is. Wait, Gossip Girl is real? We were on the break! Well, what's the show about? It's about nothing. I'm getting it, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha! Hello and welcome to the shows we watched with me, James King. And me, Emily Johnston. Now, I guess, Emily, officially, we should explain to everybody listening what the podcast is all about. But, I mean, it is one of those titles, I hope anyway, that sort of tells you everything you need to know, right? I hope it does. I mean, we love TV, you love TV. Yep. So let's talk about some shows that we've all enjoyed over time. It's pretty simple, right? It, it is very much the snakes on a plane of podcasts. <laughs> Two pop culture journalists, Emily and myself, and one classic piece of television. This week, I'm very excited because we are talking all about a show that I was genuinely obsessed with back in the day. A drama that delved deep into the scandalous lives of Manhattan's elite. Oh, yes. It's now celebrating its 15th birthday as well. Uh Emily, what is this week's show we watched? James, it is, drum roll please, Gossip Girl. Amazing. (laughs) The original series debuted on the CW in the States on September the 19th, 2007. Ran for six seasons. Of course, there's now a reboot. Based on the books by Cecily von Ziegesar about rich kids in New York City and the mysterious blogger who chronicles all their movements. Blake Lively, Leighton Meester, Penn Bladgley and Chase Crawford starred. What are your memories of Gossip Girl, Emily? <laughs> Do you have any, you must have met. I mean, you're like a character from Gossip Girl. You're sat there in front of me in your Ralph Lauren. I mean, it's like you went to that high school. I feel like I had to bring out the blazer for today. <laughs> and I'm I'm not sure this actually leads you to any, you know, opinion on who was my favorite, but it was definitely Serena. Oh yeah. Blake absolutely. Lively. Yeah. Just absolutely incredible. I've um, got a lot to say about Blake Lively. Um, <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> but I mean the amazing clothes, right? Just oh, just for God. starters, the clothes that she wore, but also the clothes that all the cast wore, and even the guys, the clothes that the guys wore as well. Well, for me, the whole show is very much about fashion. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of opinions from people on when the show was great and when maybe the show might have jumped the shark a bit. For me, season one was the ultimate. I feel like it had the best storyline. But the reason that I kept watching season after season was for the fashion. And just like the storyline evolved and maybe tanked a little, I feel like the fashion was what held it up. And it went from strength to strength because ultimately these girls every week were coming into the television sets of American girls and they were saying, here's what you should be wearing. 
wearing. Here's what, here are the great ideas that you might not have thought about for your school uniform. Here are also the $6,000 gowns from Oscar de la Renta that you didn't know you needed. But it was such an incredible ride with the fashion. And it's no mistake, actually, that the guy who's responsible for it, Eric Damon, was an assistant to the, um, was it Patricia Fields on Sex in the City? Oh, Patricia Fields, yeah, legendary. Yeah, so he kind of broke into the whole industry in the best place, if, if you know, if I could say that, yeah. the best place possible, which was the show that made fashion a weekly episode for the world, which is Sex in the City. Right. So he learned everything there yeah. and then took everything he learned, came to Gossip Girl and really understood what he was doing with the fashion as being another part of the show. And he elevated it in such a way that, yeah, it might not have been attainable to every girl in America, but definitely being able to emulate those styles was something that we all strove to do. And I just, I, for me, it's all, it's all about the fashion. Gossip yeah. Girl. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Gossip Girl will always be this on like absolutely shining light as far as television and fashion is concerned because they broke so many barriers as far as what teenage I broke barriers but really kind of broke down this idea that teenage girls are just wearing uniforms to school or they're wearing boring ripped jeans whatever you're coming out of the 90s you're coming into this new era of like you know people dressing up and taking pride in their appearance and Blake Lively just killed it. But what I found really interesting, and I'd love to hear your take on this, yep. is the difference between um, Serena yep. and Blair. Well, so Blair was kind of more traditional, I guess, wasn't she? A bit more preppy, yeah. a bit more sort of Audrey Hepburn, I guess. Yes. Um, whereas um, Serena was more boho. Yeah. Um, I guess all the stuff that they wore was incredibly expensive. So but expensive. Serena's was a bit more loose, a bit more... I don't, rebellious, maybe not quite the right word, but a bit more free. Whereas I felt that Blair was a bit more sort of structured, wasn't she? Well, it's like you've just read from the sheet of, of, <laughs> of the press release about what Eric was trying to do with the fashion because yeah. he said very specifically that Blake Lively, their whole mood board for her was actually Kate Moss. Oh, wow. And so that they were trying to look at this kind of really unpushed style. So yeah. a very easy, you could put anything on and it somehow works. Yeah. So not really the girl next door necessarily, but just like an ease to her fashion. And it's very Ralph Lauren. She wears a lot of Ralph throughout. She wears a lot of the classic American designers. And then you have Blair, who's much more old Hollywood. Yeah. And Audrey Hepburn was the name that Eric used as the inspiration behind her. So, and also Anna Wintour. So the sort of buttoned <laughs> okay. up, yeah. you know, very prim and proper queen bee yeah. sort of vibe. And and I have to be really honest here and tell you that I didn't pay any attention to the men's style other than Chuck Bass. Well, when I say the men's style, I essentially mean Chuck Bass. Yeah. Uh, because Nate was kind of fairly just standard, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when you look like Nate, you don't really have to try, do you? Because you just kind of look great at the end of the day. <laughs> um, and Dan Humphrey, I mean, the main thing about Dan Humphrey, who, of course, you know, if you don't know the show, the point was he was a Brooklynite, the others were Manhattanites mm. and rich. And he, I mean, even though actually his apartment is cool. Um, so cool. So cool. Uh, he's supposedly someone without that sort of refined background. So yeah. his clothing as well was a bit more laid back. Always with a satchel, wasn't he? Yeah. Always had the satchel. But I feel like he very much reflected the borough he was from at yeah. that time. They did yeah. a really good job of letting wardrobe tell the story of their characters. Yeah. And interestingly enough, they talk uh, in interviews that Eric did after, he talks a lot about how the styles actually be, ended up being taken on by the actors 
actors. Oh, okay, so in real people, life. Yeah, so people like Blake Lively, I'm not sure if, if she loves him saying this or not, but he says that she really assumed her character and style yeah. out of Serena Vanderwoodson. Well, I guess um, probably Sarah Jessica Parker did the same thing yeah. from Sex and the City. I don't remember her being a fashion icon before Sex and the City. No. That turned her into one. I'm sure it's the same with Blake Lively. Let me ask you this, because I've always wondered this. If you're watching a show like Gossip Girl or even Sex and the City beforehand, and you're fawning over the fashion, yeah, and you, what effect does that have on you? Because I wonder if that makes you think, oh man, I hate these people. They've got so much money, <laughs> they can afford this stuff. Or does it make you go, I'm going to splash out on my credit cards and max it out and buy all this expensive clothes. Because none of these things are good, really, are they? They're not good for your mental health if you're just watching amazingly stunning people in amazing clothes. Well, I don't, okay, so from the perspective of someone who obviously at that age did not have £6,000 to yeah. spend on a gown that Blake Lively was wearing to a high school dance, yeah. I looked at it and really found inspiration in finding other things that were lower priced from it. Right, okay. And the Gossip Girl brand, as it were, yeah. capitalized on that. And they did a lot of collaborations in America. Um, every single episode, I believe, had an e-commerce page attached to it. Okay. So you could go on after and buy any a- of the Affordable things. versions. Um, not, not affordable. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot. And actually, it is very interesting because if you look at articles talking about this, you will see that a lot of focus was placed on the fact that in the beginning, they were having having to beg, borrow, and steal things. Yeah. And then as you go from season to season, they're getting calls from everyone, including couture houses, saying, can we please have our items featured on the show? So they went from being bennyless beggars for yeah. high-end yeah. fashion to being people that could literally choose from anywhere and anything, any city. And it was so incredible to watch that happen. But e-commerce was a huge part of that. And we were talking actually about this idea of product placement. Yeah. And I'm not sure how far back it goes before Gossip Girl, but I definitely remember Gossip Girl being the first place that I kind of picked up on this idea that there might be things that are being paid for, <laughs> like the mobile phones. Right, yeah. So Verizon Wireless, I believe it was, yeah, Verizon Wireless uh, had a contract with the show for the first five seasons. Okay, so whenever they got a um, uh, an alert from Gossip Girl. It was on a Verizon Wireless right, phone. yeah, yeah. I loved watching the old phones as well. Oh <laughs> like, my God, like the intro like, when they're all getting yeah. their Gossip Girl alert and they're like 17 different ways of phone flips. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it was so brilliant. Well, it's funny because I rewatched the seasons and, and you know, looks into the into the plots again. And I, I, I watched it religiously the first time around. I couldn't mm. remember any of them. Yeah. I could remember the clothes. And that that's what we're saying, right? I mean, there are there's a lot of plot in Gossip Girl. There are a lot of twists yeah. and turns. Yeah. They, they meant, they really didn't sink in at all. But it's the clothes <laughs> that sunk in. It's the outfits. It's what Chuck Bass was wearing, what Serena Vanderwoodson was wearing. Um, my um, wife, who you know very well, mm-hmm. I just remember watching season three, first episode, and... The seasons always began like in the fall, in the autumn, and, and people had just been away for the summer and they just, you never knew where they went. Yep. Serena's just disappeared for the summer <laughs> and now she's back in New York. Tanned and beautiful. Yeah. And um, so she's back and they go to a polo match and she's wearing this sort of floaty dress, uh, kind of peach coloured. And yep. she, she, there's a moment where she goes, she gets on a horse one of the polo riders' horses and goes off. And it's a brilliant moment. Yeah. And I just remember my wife at the time saying, I need her effing wardrobe. <laughs> and it's it's what I loved about that was 
it was the need. It wasn't, I would mm. like, it was, I need this. Yeah. And she would look amazing. <laughs> and then, she swore and she swore. And I think that's the kind of um, emotion I remember she got from it. But even yeah. me as well, you know, I wanted to wear bow ties like Chuck Bass. You amazing. Know? You just go, I, I mean, I look stupid in them, but but I wanted no, to, geez. you wanted to be those people. Yeah. Um, and Serena for me remains the best character. There are of course a lot of characters in that show and, and loads come in as the series go on. But but I think she's such a brilliant character and so well played by Blake Lively. Mm. And there, there's something, when I, I remember when I first watched it, I was never quite sure whether Blake Lively was just being brilliant and nuanced as an actor or she just wasn't bothering. But, <laughs> but or, or, you know, but, but, but Serena, I mean, the name gives it away. She has this serene tranquil quality she does and there's a lot of stuff going on in her life Mm. drama follows her around but she always seems very kind of composed and looks groomed and fabulous um and blake lively the the performance there are moments when you think maybe she's just a bit wooden and this is sort of what she does as an actor because we hadn't really seen her in a lot of stuff before this that's true um or Maybe she's actually, she knows this character so well. She's being so brilliant at capturing that kind of blasé attitude that someone so privileged would have. And having seen her since in lots of different things, um, I think it's probably a bit of both, actually, yeah. because she has shown some range in, in in movies and TV shows since then. But also, you know, I do think she she has an element of Serena about her as a person. You know, Blake Lively just kind of, wafted into A-list stardom and it made it look effortless, didn't she? But she comes from a Hollywood family. She comes from a Hollywood family. Yeah. And I think just when you, you know, let's be honest, when you look that good, you you are privileged in a certain way. You know, yeah. you look like a movie star. You look yeah. like an A-list movie star. So I think it's a bit of both of those things in that performance, but I do think it's a really good performance. And she always seemed so kind of refined because it's, 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 Easy to forget, I think, that these were school kids for the first couple of series. Yeah, but very she, <laughs> she seems so refined for that. And actually, there's a movie she did called Age of Adeline, which I think plays up oh, to yeah. that fact that she sort of seems wiser than her years. Mm. Um, but she certainly did in in Gossip Girl, as they all did. I mean, can you imagine them like actually sitting in a classroom and having a lesson and no. going home and doing homework? I did mean, did we that's... ever see them actually no. doing any of those that's, things? But, that, but they were at school. But I suppose they almost didn't really have to bother because yeah. they knew their lives would be on a certain track. Yeah, and it didn't really matter how well they did at school, did it? But um, constant. Constance Billard School is the name of the, the school the girls the go fictional to. Fictional, yeah, school. and it's it's based on Nightingale Bamford which is where the the author went. But also I think there's a bit of other, you know, very prestigious New York schools in there as well, like Spence and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'll end with this. Gwyneth Paltrow, this is a name drop, but I'll do it anyway. I was interviewing (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow once and she went to Spence. And I'd read that Spence and Chapin and various posh girl schools were the basis for for Gossip Girl. And I said to her, this is at the peak of Gossip Girl, "Have have you watched it? I mean, this is like your teenage life and she was aware of it she hadn't watched it but she was aware that there were stories that you know it was kind of based on where she went to high school yeah and I do think there's something quite Gwyneth like about Serena oh my god yes and and certainly if this was made in the early 90s when Gwyneth was that age you know I think she would have been brilliant at that there's something both of them have this very kind of elite quality don't they 
And the sort of woodenness. <laughs> no, I'm not dissing Gwyneth's acting. I'm saying she could. Yeah. She's so she's, talented. She's so good at acting. She could do the she woodenness could, naturally. She, you call it woodenness. I call it serenity. <laughs> we will beg to differ on that. <laughs> You're listening to the shows we watched more Gossip Girl on its way, where we find out whatever happened to Dorota the Maid. It's coming up. Welcome back. It's the shows we watched uh, with me, James King. And me, Emily Johnston. Time now, Emily, for one of our regular features where we find out whatever happened to one of the supporting cast members from this week's TV show. Um, and this week, oh, what what an icon this character was in Gossip Girl. So we're talking all about Gossip Girl this week. Dorota Kijlowski. Blair's, well done. Well done with that. I know. I don't think I ever realised what her surname was <laughs> until I looked it up. Um, Blair's Polish maid, of course, from Gossip Girl. But really so much more than that. Certainly got a bigger role as, as the show went on and is in this relationship with Vanya, the the uh, the, the doorman at Lily Vanderwoodson's building. Um, and uh, Dreda is just genius. She's, she's kind of a mother figure to Blair. She's very cunning. She's very smart. And actually end as sort of a double act, really. Mm. Played by Zuzana Sadkowski, 43 years old from Warsaw, Poland. Did 79 episodes of Gossip Girl. No, she did not. And she had her own spin-off show as well. I think it was a web show called Chasing Dorota, um, <laughs> where we learn about her quite surprising past in Poland, quite a regal past actually in Poland. And she's she's a really experienced actor, Zuzana, very educated stage actor, teaches drama as well in New York City. Uh, most recently appeared on HBO's The Gilded Age, the uh, the Julian Fellows mm-hmm. TV show. Uh, and she's also briefly in the, the Gossip Girl reboot. So she's someone who's very proud of that show. And she does the fan conventions. She's happy to talk about it. She, you know, she's 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 proud, rightly proud of yeah, her part in, in, in Gossip Girl. And I, I love just to see someone who probably when they were coming up with this show, she was just a sort of faceless supporting character someone in the background they would have never planned for Dorota to be a kind of cult figure well, I'm, tra- I'm thinking back actually in season one was yeah. she a very prevalent she, she's in absolutely she's in it because Blair can't do anything without a maid to help her yeah but she doesn't have that kind of um I guess three-dimensional quality that she ends up having and doesn't have her own storylines until later on as yeah, the show goes on. Yeah, because she's massive. Yeah, and she's- I love that she grew like that, kind of organically and yeah. naturally. So that's what's happened to her. Um, yes, it's all about the pretty teenagers in Gossip Girl, <laughs> but there's also some really interesting supporting actors as well, like Dorota, uh, played by Zuzana Sadkowski. Right, back to the show. And we are going to talk about the geography of Gossip Girl, the city in which it's set. And there's a tension, isn't there, Emily, going on in Gossip Girl between the Manhattanites and the Brooklynites. 
Um, I, I'm guessing you're Manhattan. You must be a woman of your oh, breeding. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> breeding. Oh, my God. Make me sound like a thoroughbred sitting across from you. Um, no, I don't, you know, I feel like... I don't. I don't like to attach myself to either camp. Thank you any very of much. the five boroughs, you're fine with. <laughs> I'm fine with anything. New York City is just incredible. Yeah, I feel like such a good mishmash. And actually, I feel like this show did a really good job of kind of bringing a, a new, not a new borough. It's by no means a new borough, but bringing a borough in that maybe wouldn't have been considered cool by the Upper East Side. Certainly wasn't considered cool, yeah. and that's why he was out there. I'm trying to think because obviously now Brooklyn is a whole thing. So it's like beyond the whole thing now. Um, but, it, but but back then, so you know, fifteen years ago, that it was the very the very early stages of that, right? It's kind of and everyone uses this comparison, so excuse me for throwing this in here, but it was kind of like the idea of Soho where the artists were in Soho. Yeah. And then Soho became cool and then everybody wanted to be in Soho. So yeah. I feel like that's kind of what happened with Brooklyn, where you had the people that were moving out because they couldn't afford to be in Manhattan anymore. And a lot of those were the creatives. And then all like of a sudden, Rufus, yeah, like the Rufus, rock star. who by the way had the most killer apartment. Yeah. <laughs> like how I thought he was struggling for money. I still Hey, listen, that those that, that 90s one hit that he wrote, that got him a lot of royalties. I feel like everyone sort of went, oh, wait, Brooklyn, wait, I can get a flat like that out there? Hold yeah. on, I'm leaving Manhattan. Um, yeah, I just feel like it was such an, you know, again, I'm going to reference Sex in the City and, and James will roll his eyes at me across from the table because yep. I absolutely love Sex in the City. But I feel like Sex in the City set so much things up for Gossip Girl. Right. And if you, you look back on interviews... Um, with the executive producers after the show, actually even before the show started, when they were talking about the fact that New York City was a very important part of the show to them yeah. and that the the money behind the show was saying, we want this to take place in LA on a soundstage. We don't want it to be in New York. It's too complicated. It's too expensive. It, so it would be set in New York, but it would be filmed in, in LA. In LA, right. yeah. And they fought back very hard and really fought because they wanted New York to be a character. And there's, if you look back on all the publicity from Sex and the City, I mean, it's like the number one thing you hear is that New York was the fifth girl. Yeah. You know, New York was the fifth character, the best friend, the thing that kind of kept the show alive. So I feel like Gossip Girl sort of not jumped on that, but very beautifully um, embellished that. Yeah. And we have a lot more scenes that are obviously fictional places. So you have obviously the school, which I which it was filmed on the steps of the New York Museum. Right, okay. I think that was where the school, so it's not an actual school. That's an yeah. actual museum where tourists can go. <laughs> um, and then you have things like Chuck Bass's... Um, uh, Hotel? No, what was the uh, burlesque oh, club? Yeah. So yeah, Chuck yeah, Bass's yeah. burlesque club was actually the box, which we have one in London, um, oh, the okay, box yeah. club in yeah. Manhattan. And I'm trying to think what else they did. Um, we have Columbia University was used as the Yale campus. They used the Russian tea rooms. Of course, they did loads in Central Park. Yeah. And you do, I feel like as an American who spent a lot of time in New York, every time I see any of these scenes that are being filmed there, there is so much that goes into it. And you really do, you know, you have to close down a fair bit of the city to make these things happen. And so I have a real appreciation whenever I see a scene that's done live in New York City. And so every time Gossip Girl was walking down a street I was familiar with, or they were on a stair front of something I was familiar with, it just feels really special. And I absolutely agree with this idea that it becomes a part of the show where you go, hey, I've been there. Or you think to yourself, I'm going to go there when I'm in New York. So it's just this like added travel element yeah. to a show that I was only watching to see the Oscar to the Rensselaer and Ralph Lauren. <laughs> but but yeah. it, it, I mean, and it's so much about how those characters 
could only really exist in Manhattan. Yeah. But I, I just can't imagine it not being shot there. You could get away with it. There are always ways of shooting anywhere you want and making it look like another place. Yeah. And there are many shows we'll be talking about during this series that are set somewhere, but ultimately they're filmed in LA. Yeah. Um, but with Gossip Girl, it's like, this is about New York people and a New York, I'm going to say, I don't want to sound like Billy Joel, a New York state of mind, a New York attitude, isn't it? Or a Manhattan <laughs> attitude. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, to have them spill out onto the streets and those be the real streets. It's amazing. It, it had to happen. It had to happen. Yeah. Absolutely had to happen. I'm fascinated by teen TV shows and teen movies, as you well know. <laughs> yes. And I think that there's there's a real issue with, TV series as opposed to movies, which are often just a one-off, is that they do have a shelf life if you're dealing with teenagers. Mm. Um, and I guess the w- one way of getting over this is if you're doing like an animated show like The Simpsons or, or Family Guy, where they're just the same <laughs> forever. Yeah. They're Nobody the same age. Ages. Nobody yeah. ever ages. <laughs> I've never but, thought about that before. <laughs> but that freaks me out. Uh, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> Why does Bart Simpson never get any older? <laughs> I know. They just have Christmas, you know, over and over again, and they're always the same age. Um, but but in like a, a Gossip Girl, or it's the same with Dawson's Creek, the same yep. with The O.C., all these shows... Obviously, they start off with this really tight premise. This is a show about teenagers. They are at high school. The highs and lows of of teen angst and relationships and all that kind of stuff. Um, And maybe if the show's a flop, they do one season and it just stays like that in a little bubble. But of course, if the show's a hit and it runs for four seasons, five seasons, whatever, these people are going to grow up. They're going to leave school. And that, for me, we mentioned Jumping the Shark. That, for me, is always the moment when things go wrong for me as a as a viewer okay we can still enjoy the fashions we can still enjoy the shots of new york city yeah but it's like well they're not all together anymore and the the no. the, 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 the plot is trying to keep them together yeah because they're the reason the show's a success yeah it's that group of friends that group of of people but, you know, someone's at university someone's doing a job someone's abroad they're all doing different things people move on but they can yeah, never yeah. allow them to move on that much because they're they have they're, to be close enough to keep in the show. <laughs> to keep in the show, you yeah. know, they're they're the the you know the the goose that lays the golden egg, aren't they? You can't get rid of them, really. You wouldn't want to. Um, and I always feel that that spoils it. And in a way, this may sound a bit kind of melancholy, but when a new <laughs> kind of show comes on that's so brilliant yeah. in season one, I always think I absolutely love that. Has it got legs? Where's it going to go? You know, from a dramatic point of view, where is that going to go? And I think we've got Gossip Girl is a classic example. It also happened with Dawson's Creek as well. Is that that ultimately it, you can't keep doing going on with that show? No. And actually, the best thing you can do is exactly what they've done all these years later: is just start it again, just oh, reboot it. God, do we have to talk about the well? Reboot? You know, I'm not saying the reboot <laughs> reboots as good as the original, but it cut from a dramatic point of view. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. There was a show in the UK called Skins, where which was about teens. Yeah, and and they just. At the end of each season, they just dumped that cast and yeah. brought in a new lot. I think it makes sense. But also, I feel like we need to talk about the fact... Well, uh, let me let me ask your opinion on this. Yeah. They started this cast in their junior year of high school, right. which means they only had two years left. Yeah. So my question to you is, 
do you think they did not see a longevity in the show and they thought, well, we'll just start them and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. we'll just see where it goes. It's probably not going to go anywhere. Because if it was me and I, if I was an executive producer, I yeah. would say, hold on, we need to start when they're freshmen. So we have at least four years in this game. But then the cast all look like they're 27. <laughs> they, and of course, the things that they are getting up to are very That's much um, mature, shall we say. I mean, that was my initial memory of Gossip Girl. I remember seeing the billboards for it. Yeah. I think they got banned or they there was some controversy about the oh, original billboards yeah. because it was essentially looked like some kind of orgy. <laughs> you know, they did. They all looked like they were yeah. having a big and, orgy. <laughs> uh, you compare that to those shows that have gone before, like the ones I've mentioned, or even going back to like nine hundred two one zero. They were pretty sweet and innocent compared yeah. to Gossip Girl. The people in Gossip Girl were they're sleazy. Even Serena, the the person who I've waxed lyrical about, the yeah. the tranquil and perfect Serena van der Woodsen. The whole point is she's this kind of ex-wild child, isn't she? Yeah, because she gets sent away for exactly. apparent, like supposedly, I hope yeah. this isn't a spoiler, for supposedly having sex with Blair's boyfriend yeah. in her sophomore year, which would so, make her 16. <laughs> so they're all, they're all really um, so much more mature, so much more open-minded <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it compared to a lot of teenage shows that, that have come before it's um i certainly remember being shocked about it and i think yeah. even re-watching it there's still that shock actually yeah um although my biggest shock and this is where we'll wrap things up is how the the show actually ended <gasps> Oh my god! I I, I mean, actually let, get a little bit tense when we, we talk. We won't about go this. into it. Look, we know not everyone's going to see it, and maybe you're going to go and watch it now. But this is exactly what I'm talking about: is that in a way you become a victim of your own success. How do you end a show like this? And I think the ending of Gossip Girl, that original run, mm. just ridiculous. Are we, are we not going to give a spoiler on the ending here? I mean, let's let's be fair in case people haven't watched it. Okay, can then we just say though that the ending, the person, well, we can tell you what the ending make any is sense. without revealing it. We yeah. can say that the ending is all about revealing who Gossip Girl actually is. Yeah. And in every interview this person has done since <laughs> that person, I'm going to leave pronouns out of it as well, was named Gossip Girl, this person has said, it makes no sense. <laughs> I look back on all of the, the shows yeah. and every episode, I am as stunned as everyone else. And I'm if I am Gossip Girl, I've been throwing myself under this bus to be hurt again and again and again. And I just sit there with my hand. I think the whole world sat yeah. there. M- Mayor Bloomberg <laughs> was in disbelief. <laughs> who else did they have? They had like a whole string of people that were like, what? Yeah. That's Gossip Girl. Kristen Bell, who's yeah. the narrator who actually yeah. was Gossip Girl. <laughs> but yeah, was but wasn't. Yeah. It, it, none of it made any sense. And certainly if you rewatch it knowing that, that big payoff at the end. Oh, it's a whole it, different show. It just you doesn't know that. add up. It just doesn't make no. any sense at all. And that is the perfect example of a show that thought about its first season, maybe its second season, but just didn't know what to do after that. And that's not to say that those other seasons weren't great because yeah. I loved watching them. But yeah. the plot just went all over the shop, didn't it? Well, interestingly enough, a lot of people thought it was Dorota, and Dorota <laughs> thought it was Dorota too. And she said that none of them knew who was going to be named until they were in the episode. And she said, I was shocked. I was so sure it was going to be me. <laughs> so that's not too much of a spoiler, but now you know it's not Dorota. <laughs> Emily, it's always a pleasure, especially a pleasure though, talking about Gossip Girl fashion. Yes. 
with you. Um, You've made you, my day, James. If you'd like to send us an email, a voicemail, a comment, an idea for a show that myself and Emily can talk about, or if you just want to say hi, that's always nice, isn't it? Mm, we like a uh, hi. Uh, our email address is theshowswewatched.gmail.com. Theshowswewatched.gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your message in a future show. Of course, you can find us on on your Twitters and your Facebooks and your Instagrams. Diversion Pods. They're the fabulous people who have produced this show. Diversion Audio. Um, and the season was written, researched and hosted by myself and Emily. That's James King and Emily Johnston. Our supervising producer and sound mixer is Mark Francis. Concept by John Tuttle. Head of Marketing, Erica Farmer. Original theme music by Tyler Cash. And it's all recorded where we are right now, VoxPod <laughs> Studios in London. And a special thanks to our exec producers, Jacob Bronstein, Mark Francis, Scott Waxman, all for Diversion Audio. How's your voice? Can you overdose on throat lozenges? <laughs> it depends what's in them. Maybe we shouldn't test this theory. <laughs> Version Audio.